Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community. We are now one of the largest providers of cancer support in the U.S. and around the world. Our services now are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. On today's show, which is being brought to you in part by Azi and Morphotech, we'll be talking about caring for a partner or spouse who has been diagnosed with cancer. Today is Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Uh, usually a romantic day, an annual celebration of love and affection between companions, a day for loved ones to express their feelings uh, by presenting flowers, chocolates, other sweets and treats. Um, but, but what happens if your Valentine was diagnosed with cancer? Uh, cancer diagnosis affects more than just the patient. We know that. In fact, a, a recent study from the University of Michigan uh, finds that spouses report very similar physical and emotional uh, challenges and effects as, the, as, as patients do. Uh, spouses even report lower confidence in patients, sometimes in their ability to help manage the illness and, and, and the uncertainty as well. And, uh, you know, cancer patients reported a much more availability of social support then did their spouses. And according to the lead authority on the study, um, uh, the spouses, is a quote, the spouses of advanced cancer patients are really carrying the load. Uh, the quote continues, cancer is a devastating illness and a patient's primary resource is the partner who often doesn't have the information he or she needs to deal with these complex problems. And she goes on to say that doctors, nurses, even family and friends often focus mainly on the patient with cancer and don't realize the illness has enormous ramifications on the family and especially the spouse. So today, we are very lucky to have some knowledgeable guests to talk to us about the many challenges of caring for a partner or spouse who's been diagnosed with cancer. First, we have Suzanne Geffen-Mintz, president and co-founder of the National Family Caregivers Association and herself a family caregiver. Her husband, Stephen, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1974. Uh, Her longtime personal involvement with the disease led her to the conclusion that chronic illness and disability affects the person who provides care 
as well as the patients themselves. Uh, she believes that family caregivers are part of a silent and neglected workforce that does not receive the recognition, training, support, assistance, or public policy attention it deserves. And as a consequence, she founded the National Family Caregivers Association in 1993, and today she spearheads the organization's efforts to meet the unmet needs of family uh, caregivers. Suzanne was named winner of the Purpose Prize in 2006, was also the 2004 uh, recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Eli Lilly Welcome Back Initiative, and in 2007 released a book, A Family Caregiver Speaks Up. It doesn't have to be this hard. Thanks for being here, Suzanne. Thank you. Uh, we also have joining us uh, Anna Badenoff and her husband, Victor. Anna was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, during Thanksgiving time in 2008. Her primary tumor was in her right breast, but it had spread to other parts of her body. Um, she had two brain tumors, cancer uh, throughout the body, in the lung, kidney, liver, at the base of her spine. The doctors told Victor to simply give her painkillers and accept the fact that the disease must just complete its course. Um, they told her she had about 40 days to live, and that was almost four years ago. Uh, talk about beating the odds. Uh, welcome to the show, Anna and Victor. Thank you very much. Um, Anna, I want to start with you. We've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of questions for all of you. But, um, Anna, go, go, go back to that time um, when you were diagnosed with cancer, when you found out the extent of the cancer, and, and what it felt like when the doctors told you you had 40 days to live. Well, it felt terrible, but I thought about my three kids and my husband. Yeah. And I was not willing <laughs> To let it go and let it let it go and just fall for them. Yeah, yeah. I considered my myself as a very very good mother to not be a mom anymore. Yeah. How old were your kids when you were diagnosed? Oh, three, seven, and nine. Wow. So really young. Yeah. Really young. And how did they find? How did they find your uh, your cancer? What what was it that led to the diagnosis? Because the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday, we had spent Thanksgiving at our friend's house. And the day after, I woke up feeling a very bad headache, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. I would take you know Tylenol, some things like that, and it wouldn't go away. Yeah. Till I started uh, throwing up. And when my husband saw that, he tried to pick me up to take me to the ER because he said something's wrong here. But I couldn't hold myself in my legs. Yeah. So that's when I ended up at the hospital. And they thought at the beginning that I had um, meningitis case. Later on, they did some more studies. The neurosurgeon, the head neurosurgeon came, and he said there was a mass, but he had to do all the studies. Yeah. So Victor's, <laughs> Victor knows better because I was there. I told him that, but he, he can tell you what happened. So you so so, yeah. so 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 tell us, Victor, about that that you know around that time when when obviously this you know this, she's having these terrible symptoms and you t- you know you take her in and and you know tell us what was going through your head. Tell us about that time. Well, it was it was horrible. I mean, we um, 
you know, initially they said, like Anna said, the clinical symptoms, just by looking at her, they thought she had meningitis. Mm. So they do the CAT scan, and um, they said, you know, there's two masses in the brain. And the first thing I thought was, are they two, you know, is this cancer? At that point, I had been, I had been volunteering for, for the American Cancer Society for about five years. You know, my dad's a survivor, my, you know, different, a lot of cancer in my family. So I was like, the first thing I thought, bottom line is, they, uh, it wasn't a, a one-day instant diagnosis because every time they, you know, they, they did more studies and more studies and more studies, and they, every time they studied something, something new, cut, you know, popped up. And, uh, but the bottom line is she required emergency brain surgery uh, to get one of the tumors removed, the one in the, in the occipital area, back part of the, her head. And the surgery went fine, but five days after the surgery, she had a stroke because mm. of the surgery. So that's when the, the doctor told, or another doctor uh, told us, or told me, because she was, after the stroke, uh, we lost Anna mentally for about four months. She was like an Alzheimer patient. Um, she was asking me about, you know, she'd ask me, where, where are the black, where, where are the twins? And I'm like, what twins? We don't have any twins. Oh, yes, we do. We have two sets of black twins. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I can assure you I'm not part of the KKK or anything like that. But <laughs> there's no way our children could be black. <laughs> <Just doesn't work. laughs> wow. And that was for four months. Yeah, yeah, and um, so she was totally bedridden for about nine months altogether, eight or nine months. Her body weight was down to about 75 pounds. At oh, one my point. gosh. She's tall. She's 5'7". So if you've ever seen pictures of the, you know, concentration camps in yeah. you know, World War II, that was what Anna looked like. And uh, she had to get, uh, after, well, sorry, after, after the stroke, uh, since she wasn't mentally available, uh, I had to make every single decision by myself and uh, take care of the kids and, and do everything. And it was, and it was then I accept, I ended up signing a waiver. I mean, one doctor said what you, you mentioned at the beginning that there was no hope, and she basically had forty five days, forty forty five days to live. Yeah. Another doctor said, well, um, he I, I ended up signing a waiver allowing three types of chemotherapy simultaneously. Plus ra- full ra- full uh, radiation to the brain, so she would get these. There was depending on how the cycles. You know, each one has their own, its own cycle. But there were days that she had all three chemotherapies the same day, plus the radiation to the brain. So, and he, this doctor said, you know, Dr. Kwen said, if she can take this beating, she has a chance. Wow. And I said, what do you mean? Well, maybe a three percent chance. And um, I said, okay. You know, I so, was, so and, she was in the hospital, Victor, for, for weeks or for months? or she was in, in total, she was in the hospital for about four months. And, uh, and uh, plus, you know, the, the nursing at home and, uh, and all that. And, uh, right. and I was told, uh, you know, by a psychiatrist at uh, the hospital that I was uh, potentially dangerous for my family because I had no sense of reality. And I'm like, what do you mean I don't have any sense of reality? Mm-hmm. I was told that she has a 3% chance to live. I'm telling you rationally, I'm not going to waste one second of my time on the 97. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she said, well, but you do realize your wife is going to die. I said, I have no doubt that my wife is going to die. I'm just fighting over the timing. And... Um, you know, hopefully, you know, instead of 45 days, we can look at maybe, you know, 20, 30, or 40 years from now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
And, um, but, you know, so that was it. I was basically, you know, I'd say stuff like, you know, she may be almost dead, but she's not dead. And no matter what the statistics say, how bad they are, the people that survive, survive 100%. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Victor, we're inching towards the break, and Suzanne, I'm going to, in a a quick minute, I'm going to pull you into this uh, conversation after our break here. Yeah, I've just been sitting here listening. Yeah, it's really, it's an extraordinary story. It's an extraordinary story. Um, and, uh, uh, Victor, so just before we go to the break, so you're, you're dealing with, well, you know, are you, you're, 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 are you working or you're, you're dealing with three kids? You've got Anna in the hospital. They're telling you she's going to die. She's, I mean, just how did you even navigate all of that? Well, first of all, I stopped working. I didn't work, in total, I didn't work for basically two years taking care of Anna and nursing her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was at the time. And I think we'll have to get into the details after the break. Yeah. But uh, there was uh, it was my whole attitude was about not letting down my kids and yeah. uh, and not leaving anything in the in, in the inkwell. You know, just. Uh, um, yeah. So, but we can get yeah. into those details after the break. I think. Yeah. So, Victor. So, we're going to go to a quick break here. And boy, oh boy, I know this is our this is our Valentine's Day show. And and uh, I think even after the first segment here, we're really hearing quite a love story um, between Anna and Victor. And it's really uh, it's extraordinary to really start to hear and understand uh, their story and understand that all all that went along with that. So, um, uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer today. We're talking about uh, about the caregiving, about the relationships uh, between folks when one is diagnosed uh, with cancer, the impact of that on the patient, the impact of that on the caregiver, the impact of that on the entire, uh, on the entire family. And so um, we're just going to take uh, a quick break right here on Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you a breakaway from cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, brought to you in part today by Genentech and Celgene. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today I'm joined by uh, husband and wife Anna and Victor Gospodinoff and Suzanne Geffen-Mintz, president and co-founder of the National Family Caregivers Association. It is Valentine's Day. So uh, we're talking about uh, Valentines who are serving as caregivers. Uh, we've just heard about Anna's diagnosis and about all that, uh, that Anna and Victor and their family uh, went through and continue to go through as a result of Anna's uh, uh, cancer diagnosis. And we're, we're, you know, we're going to dive in uh, a little bit deeper. Suzanne, I want to pull you into the conversation. Obviously, an extraordinary story uh, uh, from Anna and Victor, Anna's diagnosis, finding cancer all over them, saying she's got 40 days uh, to live, then she has a stroke, loses her memory. Um, uh, you know, this was four years ago, and we're on the phone with Anna and Victor uh, today. Suzanne, I'm sure you hear many really amazing and compelling uh, uh, compelling stories, but uh, uh, you must have a reaction to this extraordinary story that we're hearing today. Well, it has taken my breath away. Um you know, you can't make this stuff up. Right, right. Life definitely is stranger than um, stranger than fiction, and the you know pressure on um, on Victor as um, you know as he's fighting for Anna's life and having three young kids. Um, you must have been on adrenaline. The the whole time, um, in order to in order to make you go go on with all of this, I actually have a couple of questions. Yeah, please go ahead. Did you, Victor? Did you have good health insurance? Well, at the time, um, I was actually without insurance Whoa. because the company I had been working at had closed um, a few months before, so mm-hmm. we uh, lost our Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And uh, but this ended up being a best, uh, actually being a blessing in disguise because it's, you know Anna is Italian born, but she's here legally, and uh, I'm I'm a U.S. citizen, so I was able to uh, put her on Florida Medicaid. Ah, and, uh, interesting. And actually ended up being, like I said, a, a great thing because mm-hmm. um, I didn't have you know with with the insurance I would have had to pay twenty percent of all this stuff. Sure. And, uh, and, and, and Medicaid was brilliant. They covered everything. Um, I actually know somebody else who had a similar circumstance, um, actually in uh, Washington D.C. And not having that financial pressure makes a huge difference. It lets you deal with all the other pressures. Um, and um, I'm wondering if you had help from family and friends, or you did this all on your own, or we had a, we had tremendous help. The yeah. thing is. Anna is Italian, so all her family is in Italy. Her, her sister and her two brothers. Mm-hmm. And um, I have my two sisters live up in Virginia, in uh, you know in the DC suburbs, and uh, my other sister lives down in Argentina. So, but people, uh, we had a lot of help. I mean, that's great. We had, you know, Anna's. I've lived half my life in Argentina, half my life here in the U.S. And um, so has Anna. She was, even though she was born in Italy, she grew up in Argentina. 
And so we had different people were coming in and they were taking turns. Like, that's great. Uh, you know, my one sister would come in, then my mom would come in, and then my dad would come in, and then Anna's sister would come in, and then her brother would come in, and you know. So we we um, we were able to you know relay yeah. these people. Uh, Absolutely, and, that makes such a difference. And oh, so, many, really, so many people try to do it alone, and no, I, that's um, you know that's when. I think you run into the the deep depressions and all the physical um, problems that the family caregiver can can get as as well. And so, you know, yeah, you know, all, Victor, yeah. I mean, I I was wondering about that, Suzanne, as well, Victor. What you know, what were the uh, what were the, what were the range of emotions that you were were going through? <laughs> During this, well, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, resentment, anger, whole... fear, you know, exhaustion, like the, you know, the why me effect, the, you know, what were, what were all the th- things that 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 you were going through? Was it, it must have been like a roller coaster? Well, the only one I really didn't do is the why me or the why us. Uh-huh. Um, I've always been an extremely positive thinker, and I was, mm-hmm. my mind was just all about what to do and not why. Yeah, there is no um, answer to the why question. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really didn't, it really didn't make a difference. I mean, I, I blocked out the why. I really didn't care because it, it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna help me. Um, but other than that, yeah, the, the you know the, the the fear and the you go from you know twenty five times, twenty seven times in the same day, you go from absolute euphoria because you got one little bit of news that wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you know, it was actually even good news to you know, now it looks like she has an infection of this type, and uh, you know her life is in danger again. And, and this was constant. And and I would, I mean, in spite of that, being a positive thinker, you know, I put on about twenty five pounds because first of all, I stopped doing all kinds of sports. But then mm-hmm. on top of that, eating, you know, not eating in a healthy way like I'm I'm used to. And and it would be three in the morning. I couldn't sleep, and I'd be and I'd hear Anna moaning, and all of a sudden I would break down and say, you know. You know, that's it. She's gonna die. There's nothing gonna, you know, nothing's gonna save her. Stop being, you know, stop playing this uh, charade, and she's gonna die. And then I'd walk into one of the kids' rooms, and I'd see them cuddled up with their, you know, their little bear or their bunny or whatever they, and uh, and I just look at them and say, oh, stop being such, so don't be so weak. Just you know, <laughs> fight. This, you know, they're the ones you're fighting for, and. Uh, and then I'd, instantly I'd think, okay, this is not easy for me. It's not easy for the kids. But the one who's really having a bad time is her. Yeah. So uh, I was I was constantly refocusing. That's the truth. Anna, um, Anna, how yeah. are you? How are you feeling uh, today, Anna? What's happening? Tell me now what's happening. Uh, oh. You know, with your health. Today I'm feeling great. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a fighter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think from the very beginning. Yeah. And, you know, I always say unity is strength, knowledge is power, but attitude is everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think I had the right attitude and had a very good caregiver. <laughs> yeah, we hired one out of the family. <laughs> <laughs> no. And Anna, are you are you in treatment now, Anna? Uh, yeah, because yeah. I mean, I was declared in remission mm-hmm. on two thousand nine, August two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. 
But then after that, I needed some, um, in the checkups, they found out different things. So there was a little thing on my head, mm-hmm. and it had to be removed. So no. they tried to do it, um, and they were successful. Mm-hmm. They, were, they did it with a cyber knife, and mm-hmm. then I had to have surgery. And what did you think about what did you think, Anna, about your guy Victor when you were going through all this? Mm. He supported me all the time. Yeah, I was the best caregiver I could ask for. Yeah, I was sounds, trying to get rid of like her, it. actually. Oh, but the doctors didn't let me, you know. So I'm I'm going to sue the doctor for good practice now. <laughs> you know, um, in listening um, to what Victor was saying about not getting exercise and not eating yeah. right, tell us about that and not yeah. sleeping yeah. well. That is, that's so classic. Mm. Exercise is the first thing to go, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then, yeah, eating right, you know, catching things on the on the fly. And is exercise and, the first to go, Suzanne, because people feel like it's it's kind of selfish for me to go take time to go for a run or something like that when my caregiver mm-hmm. is ill. I mean, is that was that the the reaction? No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. I mean, people have that reaction. How can I do something good for myself? You right, know, when right. when she's no, suffering. I, but yeah. um, I, it's the time, the time and the energy. In my case, yeah. it, was met, it was completely about the time. In fact, I I did get what Suzanne is saying from some you know some pe- some of the people that were helping us. It was like, how dare you? How can you think about going to play tennis um, when your wife is sick? And yeah, they don't get because it. of the, I mean, because of my sick. years of experience helping with the American Cancer Society. The first thing I knew is hopefully this will go. This will be along. This will be you know for long. And so I said, you know, I need to find a way to pace myself. I've I've mm-hmm. done a lot of sports all my life, and it's just like, okay, this is not a hundred yard dash. This is going to be like a marathon. And uh, but even even though I wanted to do those things, I I just didn't have the time. It was, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, and you know, you know what? The- I I actually can have the time to to do more, but I don't always have the energy. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. um, God, all I want to do is lie down, yeah. you know, or yeah. stay stay in bed a little, you know, longer. And then, of course, you have to get up and go to work and get Stephen out of right. bed and everything. But so that I seems, think it's a combination of the yeah. two. Yeah, Suzanne, um, we, we're, we're going to the break here in just a minute or two. But Suzanne, tell us, uh, tell us more about, um, well, tell, tell us more about some tips that we can give to folks listening. Uh, why it's so important for you as the caregiver to take care of yourself, caring for the caregiver. Well, I think the first thing that everybody needs to recognize um, is that there's not just one person who is sick in this in this marriage. It is yeah. a dyad, and. Um, Anne is the person with the clinical diagnosis of cancer. Yeah. yeah. In the way I look at it is that Victor has a psychosocial um, diagnosis. And so both people need to um, be treated, if you will. And, yeah. um, you know, people who say, how could you think of yourself, just, you know, obviously just don't get it. Right. And... Um, 
in a, of course, Anna and Victor have been dealing with such such an intense um, situation, and that was immediate. It wasn't like um, you knew something was coming. You know, yeah, you had a diagnosis, and things were uh, getting worse over time. Right. No, they this was just, just a, a, an explosion. Right. Yeah. And then, and it really. Wasn't cancer. Then she had the stroke, and it's like it's it's never yeah. you know just what yeah it's just never ending. Filing, yeah. And Suzanne, so, um, so we're we're gonna take uh we're gonna take a quick break here. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking about uh, cancer and caregiving on Valentine's Day, and we'll be right back. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaides, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities, Frankly Speaking About Cancer Series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, brought to you in part today by Millennium and by uh, Amgen Oncology. I'm Kim Tebaldo. Uh Today I am joined by husband and wife Anna and Victor Gospodinoff. Uh, and uh, by our friend Suzanne Geffen-Mintz, president and co-founder of the National Family Caregivers Association. It is Valentine's Day today, so happy Valentine's Day to all of our uh, listeners. And we're talking today about Valentines uh, who are caregivers. Um, uh, we've been hearing from Victor and Anna about their really uh, unbelievable story of their cancer uh, experience and, and uh, some of Victor's uh, challenges uh, as a caregiver for his wife. And I, I, I think maybe... Some when I when I when I'm when I'm looking at your name, Victor, I think it's not by accident that your name is Victor because I think you are <laughs> you, you are a Victor. You are a caregiver and a Victor on many many well, levels. If you know, my my last name actually is also pretty powerful. What is your <laughs> last Bulgarian name, last Victor? name? My grandfather was from Bulgaria, and it means uh, son of the Lord. Ah, well. <laughs> A, a, a little did you know that uh, oh, you would yeah. have such a powerful name that would uh, that would symbolize your incredible role as a caregiver to yeah, Anna and you know, to your family. The problem is a lot of people say you son of a whatever, but let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> They're the wrong 
wrong the wrong son, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Well, it's uh, it's very telling and and uh, and very powerful. Um, I, I want to uh, pull Suzanne and Suzanne. You've had such incredible both personal and professional experience on this caregiving topic, and um, I, I, I'd like to get into Suzanne. I mean, are there uh, uh, support groups? Uh, uh, for caregivers, are there other resources that can assist caregivers in, in educating themselves in uh, organizing? You know, we, I know this gets so complex with medical records, with doctors' visits. Can can we start to get into that a little bit for our listeners, Suzanne? What are some of the kind of real practical resources that are out there for folks? Okay. Well, I think it's 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 odd, but so many family caregivers feel isolated. Yeah. Um, and so getting connected some way is really important, and obviously there's, um, there's your organization. And, um, but even though NFCA, uh, National Family Caregivers Association, is a non-disease-specific organization, yeah. Yeah. Um, we find that people benefit um, because what we're focused on are the common issues, yeah. that all family caregivers share. And we've got a, a four-point philosophy, if you will, okay. that over time we know makes a difference. It's called believe in yourself, protect your health, reach out for help, and speak up for your rights. And people certainly can find all this on our website, thefamilycaregiver.org. But I think um, that it's important to find... Um, a caregiving buddy, if you will. Um, there's something about the one-on-one relationship with mm-hmm. someone whom you know um, may not necessarily even be dealing with the same diagnosis, but dealing with the same kind of kind of circumstance and uh, caring for a, a spouse, which in fact is um, one of the most stressful experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, spouses are six times more likely to become depressed than mm-hmm. um, you know the average American. I mean that's a huge, huge number. And um, the web obviously gives everybody lots of options these days. I think forums can serve a very big uh, purpose because you can you know just click on a thread, whether it's about depression or. Um, um, you know, finding, uh, you know, materials that are going to work for you or things specifically about a diagnosis, and um, you don't have to be there at any specific time right. um, on a form, and that's very beneficial for, beneficial for people. Right. As hard as it is, um, people do need to try and take care of them in one way, shape, or, or form. And so what we tell people is, no, you don't have to you know, go to a gym 30, for 30 minutes a, a day. Right. There are easy things that you can do. You can take a multivitamin. Mm-hmm. You can remember to brush and wash your teeth. Um, and they, these things may sound inconsequential, mm-hmm. but they are, are all part of our taking care of ourselves and um, if it seems so hard, you know, doing little things yeah. like that, you know, get you get you started. Um, I do think it's imperative to get away. Yeah. Um, uh, respite 
is a change from a difficult situation. That's the that's the definition. Right. And uh, so it's really important to have a support network that can help you pull together, whether it's family or friends, um, a, a network of people who will help take the pressure off of the family caregiver. And there's a wonderful uh, program called Lots of Helping Hands, mm-hmm. and um, actually people can get to it um, at nfca.lotsofhelpinghands.com. And mm-hmm. it is a mechanism for inviting people um, to form a community of, of help for um, Victor and Anna, mm-hmm. and it's a scheduling mechanism so that... Uh, we use it. <laughs> ah, oh, good, great. And it makes it, it's, it's, it's support and it's practical hands-on help. And ultimately, that's what we all need is um, help in getting through all of this because it's caregiving especially given what Anna and Victor have been going through, is yeah. far more than a one-person job. Yeah, so Victor, let's, so let's, let's go back to Victor. Uh, let's, um, let's talk about what you found most helpful. You talked about your wonderful family on both sides, your, your family and Anna's family who really came and really pitched in. Um, were others in the community who wanted to help? If folks volunteered, how did you uh, employ them? Did you try to get help with the kids' schedules, things like that? How did you, how did you kind of form a network around you to help you through this, Victor? Well, initially, I'm, I'm a very social person. And uh, so initially, I just couldn't handle the phone calls. I was getting so many phone calls from so many people. Yeah. Like, so what's going on with that? I heard about this. I heard about that. And, and each phone call was, you know, minimum 45 minutes. And, yeah. and one of the few things that's equal to everybody on this earth is that the day has 24 hours. You can be yeah. born in Madagascar and the day has 24 hours a day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... So I, just, I, I had started to tell people, please, don't call me. I can't do this. Yeah. Uh, not, I appreciate the support and everything. Just give me your email, and I'll shoot, you know, I'll shoot you an email when I have some, an update. And that list started to grow. I had to do it in English and Spanish. And people started resending these emails to others and others and others, and soon there were yeah. like 5,000 people on there. Wow. So we were getting volunteers of all sorts. You know, we spend so much time in the hospital. We, I, I don't even know the amount of people that came to visit us at the hospital, people we don't know, offering us all sorts of help. Uh, a guy uh, has a restaurant not too far from our house. For three weeks or two weeks, he would leave dinner on our doormat every day for three adults. Wow. Wow. Um, wow. We, I mean, I was, because I had been volunteering in the American Cancer Society for five or six years at that point, yeah. it, you know, it's like everybody's about you know, fighting against cancer. But when, when somebody on the team gets hit, it, everybody comes out, you know, with, with guns blazing. And so that's what we had. We had all sorts of, you know, friends of friends. It was just amazing. I mean, Anna's room ended up looking like some sort of uh, multicultural, politically correct shrine <laughs> because we had everything. We're Catholic. We're Catholic. But we had everything in there. We had, you know... You know, stars of David and Buddhist incense and uh, a box of, you know, a box of crackers, you know. So Anna, Anna, were you, let me hear from Anna, were you amazed by the just the outpouring of support from everyone, Anna, around you? The thing is, I was not conscious yet. yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was, after the stroke, 
Uh, all that I know, I know because Victor told me and my friends told me. Yeah. But I, I was completely unaware of what was going on. She was awake. She wasn't in coma, but she was. She had no idea what was going on. I mean, she, but out of the blue, in March of 2009, she just snapped out of it from one day to the next. At the, I was at the point where I thought I had started you know, for the first time to say, well, you know, I think we're not going to pull through. The first time I really started to feel depressed, it was like a miracle. From one day to the next, she just snapped out of it and came back. So it was really one day to the next, and Anna, did all of your memory come back? No, all of my memory, no. Because I actually, when I was out, <laughs> I don't remember yeah. what happened at the hospital. I know because I've read the emails yeah. and Victor told me. But, but did you start to, after that, start to remember things that you had forgotten, you know, during that period? Yeah, some of them. Yeah. But For the, instance, my best friend who lives in Argentina came over as soon as she could. Uh-huh. Help, helped a lot. Yeah, she was here for like three weeks. She left her, her husband and her three kids for three weeks. Yeah. I mean, isn't it amazing um, what what people do? Um, yeah. So often, um, you know, people are afraid to reach out for for help because they think uh, nobody's going to do it. But you hear these stories that when people care about you, or sometimes may not even know you, but um, have heard about exactly. your, your story, people do want to help. And I think the issue usually is they don't know exactly what to do. Right. And they're also afraid of getting um, locked into something, you know, with, right. without knowing what the, the time frame is. Right. And, um, you know, family's one thing on that level. Right. And, right. you know, and friends are somewhat are, are different. But so if people know that, um, you know, your kids need to be taken to school and, 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 and picked up. Right. That's something people can schedule. So, you know, I can do this for you for the month of January. Right, exactly. And put, and, and put some parameters around it, or I can bring you, you know, one meal a month. Or, you know, I think that that's right. There are ways that you can, you know, you can know as a, you know, a person your own limitations, but still, uh, you know, but still care for someone and still give. I want to get back to that. We're, we're coming up on our, um, uh, on our break here, but I do want to get back to that, uh, uh, for a minute, uh, Suzanne, right, right uh, quickly here after the break about how you can reach out and help. Even when you don't know exactly what to do, uh, we can give you some tips on that. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're uh, quickly getting to the end of our show here. It's been an amazing conversation. Uh, I've been talking with uh, Anna and Victor about uh, their incredible cancer story uh, and uh, getting some great tips from Suzanne Geffen-Mintz from uh, the National Family Caregivers Association. Uh, We're talking about uh, being a caregiver for your Valentine. Um, And uh, we've discussed some of the difficulties and the challenges of of the situation and and also some of the celebrations and and opportunities and wonderful things that this this brings into our life. Um, Before we went to the break, um, Suzanne, uh, we were talking about, you know, I I hear a lot of folks say, I I was as surprised by who reached out to me as I was by who didn't reach out to me. And um, I think as we were saying before the break, sometimes that goes to this idea that that um, I don't know what to say. I have someone in my life who's been diagnosed with cancer, and, you know, maybe I'm not the spouse or maybe it's not my brother or a parent, someone a little more removed. I don't know I don't know what to say. I'm really worried about saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. And so a lot of times people will do nothing. And, um, you know, I, what, what do we say to those folks, Suzanne? I think, um, you know, more often than not, people are sensitive and... Um, that you know pulling pulling away sometimes is because people can see themselves in that situation and they get very scared yeah, yeah. um and so don't know how to respond mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um you know um bringing over a cake or um making a donation you know um in and his name to your organization or, or another one. I mean, there are different ways that people can um, can help. And mm-hmm. one thing I think that is um, a very good thing for, for all caregivers is to make a list of all the little things that need to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so whether it's, you know, grocery shopping once a week, or it's um, taking Anna to PT, or it's the meals, or, um, uh, you know, some things in the house need a little bit of fixing. Right, If right. you've got a list, then right. if somebody says, um, you know, call me if you need me, you can yeah. say, wow, I need you right now, and what on this list might you be able to to do? Right. So, um, right. Because people don't necessarily and know people, how. And I think if you have particular help. skills to to share that with somebody, you know, hey, I'm a, 
you know, I'm a good, uh, you know, like you said, I'm a, I'm a kind of a good handyman or I, I'm good at fixing things up or I'm, you know, I'm really good with social studies or Spanish or maybe I can help your, you know, your child with their homework or, um, you know, I'm running over to the market, you know, do you need something or, you know, think about there are ways to be a good caregiver and a good friend and just incorporating, you know, these things into your, uh, you know, into your, into your daily life. Um, yeah, and they need, they do need to be scheduled so that, um, just the, the people wanting to help, uh, that doesn't become overwhelming. Right. And, right. um, but like we, we said today, it's, so much easier to do things like that because of the because of the web. Absolutely, yeah. There are some good tools out there, and and um, uh, you know, Victor, I um, uh, so you know, you, uh, you were told four, four years ago, a little, three years a little ago, less three than years that, ago. you were told that you had forty days. Uh, yeah, it was, actually, it was three years ago. It was in November of 2008. Three, three years. So ago. We're, we're we're shooting from the 40 days. You know, uh, now it's we're almost at 40 months. So, uh, 40 and 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 has this has this made you made you think a little bit differently about your about your Valentine, Anna? Have you uh, you guys have any special plans for today for Valentine's Day, or uh, you know, how do you how do you think about your Valentine differently? Well, I really don't think of it too much differently. I've adored her from day one. That hasn't changed. <laughs> so, so in that sense, nothing's really changed. Uh, um, obviously, I'm grateful for you know uh, the, just the, the, the thrill that my our kids can say good morning, mommy, and I can say good night, my love is uh, is uh, is a blessing every single day. Um, we never. You know, I, I don't. I, I avoid the crowds. You know, the restaurant, the crazy restaurants yeah. on Valentine's Day and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll uh, see what we do this evening and uh, and uh, you know, spend some time with the kids as you, like we like to do. So that's you know, that's what we love to do. I always love chocolate. And I would like to thank my Valentine <laughs> for doing everything he did. You're welcome. And continues to do. Yeah, you are. You know, you'll get the bill at the end of the month. Don't worry. <laughs> you know what, I, Victor? I say things like that too. <laughs> I, I, this is, I, this is uh, that's very sweet. And I think you do have a very special Valentine uh, in uh, in Victor. Uh, Victor, I understand yeah. you guys have a. And we web- are blessed to have three little Valentines. <laughs> three little Valentines as well. Eric, yeah, yeah, Eric and Sophia. Uh, they're twelve, ten, and and, uh, and six now. And what but, are their what are their names? Chiara. Chiara is a twelve year old. That's Claire in Italian. Eric mm-hmm. is ten, and Sophia who's six. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. And Victor, I understand you guys have a website where you where you uh, tell Anna's story. Yeah, we um we're we're all about uh, you know no political t- pun intended, but we're about stimulating hope in others and. Uh, Mm-hmm. And because um, I actually did get that one day, so the person asked me why was I uh, why was I making fun of President Obama saying stimulating yeah. hope? <laughs> I'm not political, <laughs> but but um, the yeah, yeah it's, uh, the the website is called AnnaHope.net because uh, that's what it's about. We're about stimulating hope in others, and uh, we um, we got so much help and support when we needed it the most that we want to give back as much as we can. And uh, so we do a lot of uh, uh, speaking with, you know, with, pa- with patients and with caregivers. We're, we're always getting phone calls. You know, my neighbor's got cancer. My 
cousin's got cancer. Sure. Can you speak to him? Can you speak to her? We charge people a fortune for this, like a whole cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Anna's actually demanded some some ice in her water once. It was terrible. <laughs> you know, it's so profit driven. It's disgusting. And um, but now we do it. You know, we uh, just the joy to see somebody recover some shining in their eyes. That yeah. you know, there might they, they, they might have a chance. Is uh, is such a wonderful, wonderful gift, and uh, it's a great drug. <laughs> uh, Victor, I would love you to share your story on um, on our story project because yeah. so many people um, are down when they're writing their story, and I think it would be very helpful to people to read a story of somebody who's you know been to hell and, and back. And, um, you know, has found the ways to, to keep the hope up and all. You know, one of the things we did the most, I did the most at the time. Well, first of all, thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to do that. And um, you can count on me 100% for that. But one of the things that was really helpful for me at the time was, like, you know, we didn't know how long she was going to live and if she was going to make it. But it was all about, okay, so let's make it to Christmas. Let's make it to New Year's. Let's make it to Valentine's Day. Let's make it to our anniversary, which is in early March. Let's make it to Anna's birthday party, which is in early April. You know, and, and we would, I would always have a two- or three-week goal. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was one thing. And then, like I said, just focusing on what you have versus mm-hmm. what you don't have and, uh, and fighting for what you, what you have. And, uh, but my biggest motivation was really not letting down our kids. Mm-hmm. Because my whole, you know, I, I'm writing a book too. It's called Two Promises, and it, because one of those promises to myself was, I didn't know if Anna was going to live, and if she didn't make it, our kids someday would look me in the eyes and ask me, Dad, did you really do everything you could? And I promised myself I would never, I'd do everything I had to do to never feel embarrassed if that question ever presents itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Anna used the word attitude. Um, uh-huh. uh, before, uh-huh. and that's what Victor's talking about now. Yeah. Attitude can change everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can and have all, all the things you want, money, everything, people, friends, but you, if you don't have that will to fight... Yeah, you can't, you can't buy that. It's useless. Yeah, you can't buy that. You guys, we are we are getting to the end of our show here, and I'm so sad because I feel like I could talk to you guys all day long. Wait, wait, wait. Um, you, said this, you told me before that this was going to be a 12 hour show. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is hour one. This is hour one of, our, were, of our 12 hour segments on caregiving. Yeah. You <laughs> so were coming to, is a very coming to the end of our first hour. Too. Suzanne, um, can you tell folks how they can find out about the National Family Caregivers Association? Sure. Um, our web address is www.thefamilycaregiver.org. Okay. And um, people can find all sorts of tips, educational tips and tools yep. and things yep. like that. Wonderful. And, uh, and uh, uh, Victor, we want, to, we want to find out more about Anna's story. The website is? www.anna, with one N, that's A-N-A, hope. H O P E dot net, you know? and we also have it in Spanish. We're, we're totally bilingual, so we've done a lot of stuff in both English and Spanish. Excellent, excellent. No, that's great. That's great. That's great to know. Um, it's just been 
um, an amazing show. I have to thank everyone. Um, I have to thank you guys for joining today. Thank you. Um, mille grazie. Gracias. <laughs> all of our, all of our thank yous. And, um, uh, you know, Victor, we'd love to dedicate our show to you today, uh, as a, as a caregiver and, and representing an example of how somebody can really be an invaluable companion, uh, as their partner faces cancer. And, and I really appreciate your willingness to share your experiences and emotions. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, really been wonderful spending Valentine's Day with, uh, with you guys and, and having you share your story. So thank you, uh, Victor. Thank you, Anna, uh, for being here today. Uh, at the Cancer Support Community, we've got a whole host of free support educational programs for people with cancer and for their loved ones and their caregivers. We've got support groups and educational programs, nutrition, exercise, all for, uh, for everyone touched by cancer at cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks for joining today at Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well. Do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.